those nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app, and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP, and wake up worry free. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Every champion has that moment in his career when they are presented with the opportunity that will move them to the next level. Jamie Winkup faced that moment at the end of 2005. On this edition of Inside Supercars, we speak to Roland Dane, Craig Lowndes, Mark Dutton and David Couchy. We also hear from Scott Gullen, who worked with Jamie to complete his new autobiography, drive of a lifetime. He had this attitude of how to win and he wanted to win and he wanted to be perfect at what he did. When Jamie came along and we first tested him, we could see straight away that Jamie actually had um, potential more speed than we than we thought. And Jamie was amazing with his feedback and the amount of information he could absorb doing laps. It was, it was really spectacular. Without a drive for the 2006 season, Jamie Winkup flew from Victoria to Queensland to meet with Triple Eight management. Roland Dane talks about that fateful day. He did fly up um, short notice to talk to me um, after after Bathurst in 2005, and uh, had a sit down with me. Had a uh, met couple of the key engineers as well and uh, yeah basically made it clear that he'd do whatever was necessary to get uh, to get his bum in the in the seat of one of our cars um, he he uh, his motivation was um, clearly there from the start uh, his hunger was there uh, and he was the only one of the three people that I was seriously considering at the time, um, who didn't immediately ask about money. Triple Eight's lead driver was Craig Lowndes, the most popular driver in supercars history, and the man that Roland was building the team around. So when he first came to the team, he was enthusiastic. He was probably a little bit shy as well, um, but you know he was enthusiastic and, and really keen to learn and, and develop. As a driver, like we all were, when we when you first get an opportunity with a with a major team like that. Roland said that the team was looking for a number two driver for one important reason. So we were looking for a for a number two driver could uh, double up as you're allowed to in those days uh, for the enduro races and give us the best possible chance of uh, of winning winning the Bathurst 1000. Uh, and uh, we already had. Uh, that stage, a, a number one driver in Craig. So yes, we wanted somebody who had the potential to grow into um, into a um, major force. But at that particular point in time, at the end of '05, it was about putting together the strongest possible team for for Bathurst 1000. Craig Lowndes. I wasn't involved in the actual 
uh, decision-making um, of, of signing Jamie, but I know at the time that Roland did make that point that they were looking for a, a teammate that was in the same sort of height, stature uh, as me, and, and really that the focus for Roland, uh, from my, my understanding, was more so Bathurst, and that was obviously a race that has enticed Roland to come to Australia in the first place. So that was his goal, was, was to, to put a... a, a you know, a super team together to get, you know, the result of Bathurst and hopefully a championship. Roland explains how Jamie appeared on his radar. To be honest, there was nothing nothing at GRM that drew uh, drew me to him, um, partly because most of the time he was at GRM was would just before I was in Australia full-time. Uh, but uh, I was aware, very aware of his Formula Ford track record and uh, also uh, at Tasman we'd watched him provide exemplary support to their number one driver at the time Jason Richards in the enduro races at Sandown and Bathurst Um, and at the time yeah my principal goal then was to try and win our first Bathurst and we needed somebody who'd be great support for Craig Lowndes. Uh, so, yeah, those those were the key factors. Couchy saw that Jamie had some qualities that made it obvious to the team that he would succeed. Jamie's very easy to get along with. I mean, you know, we, we, we got along uh, very well from the beginning. Um, I actually knew him from when, again, he, he drove for, for Tasman, um, motorsport, which is sort of what Lansvale smash sort of morphed into. Um, and then, so I already sort of knew him, uh, before call it, I got to triple eight, um, you know, and look, so yeah, we've always had a very close relationship as, as sort of friends more than, more than sort of even work colleagues as such. Um, so that, that made the, the sort of jump really easy, I guess, from that point of view. Mark Dutton was already well-established at triple eight. However, the new young gun caused a few changes in the engineering structure. I was race engineer the year before with Steve Ellery, um, but because we had a, a young up-and-coming talent in Jamie, um, uh, Ludo, Ludo wanted to, to put the engineering, race engineering hat back on, so I was, uh, I was demoted from race engineer to data engineer on that car. Um, it, was, it was actually probably one of my nicest... Um, end-of-year performance reviews I've ever had. Um, because I was getting demoted, they are actually uh, being nice to me, and uh, and I even got a pay rise, which was, yeah, two-tenths two of not a lot is still not a lot, but a uh, pay rise is still a pay rise. So, yeah, funnily enough, it was my demotion, which was my, my most pleasant uh, end-of-year review to date. Craig Lowndes said Jamie had an approach to how he went racing, which he had seen in another successful champion. I, I look at Jamie and I see a lot of Mark Scaife in him in the sense of his mannerisms, the way that he operated in the sense of, as I said, the data, all that side of it. He worked extremely hard behind the scenes uh, with just all the small things, um, even to a point where still today, you know, it's at the beginning of every season, you know, we, our first test day, Jamie has to run in five sets of shoes, um, you know, and he'll never go to a racetrack with a brand new set of uh, uh, um, shoes. He, you'll, you'll always have to have, have run them or use them. 
Um, you know, he, he, he's against, you know, he's done it, but he's against, you know, different colour schemes, one-off colour schemes at race weekends halfway through it because, again, for him, it, it, it's a, a mental thing in the sense of, or a psychological thing of, of, of it to change. David Couchy. He worked. He worked very hard, you know, behind the scenes on himself. Um, you know, I mean, you know, not 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 just his his fitness, but his his preparation and approach to the the race weekend. Um, you know, and, and each driver each driver does approach that that differently. But yeah, I just remember always remember a real a real attention to detail and just not leaving any any stone unturned. Basically, Mark Dutton was never afraid to ask a question, even if it might come across as silly or obvious, or which which is great. You know, it's it's those things that you well you encourage your kids to do, you encourage everyone to do. Um, but he would do it, and and he and he continues to ask those questions. So that for me, that that willingness and want to learn um, and improve, that that was the standout from from day dot. Craig Lowndes. He really literally uh, understood, took on board, you know, the settings of the car, the way that the team operated, the the philosophy of what the team had uh, had basically um, created. When Jamie came along and we first tested him in December 05, I think it was, we did our first test at Queensland Raceway, we could see straight away that Jamie actually had uh, more potential, more speed than we, um, than we thought. Mark Dutton. Particularly at the time, his feedback, and I say at the time, which I'll get to, so his feedback was amazing. And the tyres we had, the amount of tyres everyone had, it was the same for everyone, was was nowhere near as generous as these days. So you, you were constantly doing practice sessions on, on rubbish tyres. So you had to be able to extrapolate what the car would be like when you got on good tyres, and and uh, and you'd be you'd be running your practice sessions and 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 trying to make improvements with the car, and and Jamie was amazing with his feedback and the amount of information he could absorb doing laps. It was it was it was really spectacular. Like he he would go out and say we'd do a three lap run, and he'd come back in and, you know, a practice session in Darwin or whatever, and he'd he'd talk you through every single corner in in multiple stages of every single lap, but then he'd also be able to say um, what other cars around him were doing better or worse than him. Yeah. Um, so it was just phenomenal, the amount of information he was able to absorb and process, not only of what he was doing and his car was doing, but what others were doing um, while going full flat out. So it's, uh, that's, that for me was, was one of the big things that, uh, that set him apart. Um, was just that that information capacity that he had. Kevin Fitzsimmons is the operations manager for Dunlop Tyres. He has observed drivers through 40 years of involvement in the sport. I spent a lot of time in the 90s, in the late 80s and sort of in the 90s and everything doing development with Peter Brock and he was another one that could just get into that autopilot mode, um, arm on the door and and just, just punch numbers out every single lap and everything but to be able to relay the feedback, Glenn Seaton was also good at it, but Jamie in, in recent years was absolutely exceptional at providing the feedback that we needed to hear um, and take the, the, the team personal you know, hat off his head and, and uh, put the category hat on and, and, and do it for the better of the category and everything else like that. And I'll be eternally grateful for everything he ever 
uh, did for, for us, you know, right, right the way through. First race meeting for Wincup and his new team was the Clipsal 500. Lounge won on Saturday, but it was Wincup who took the win on Sunday and his first Clipsal title. I remember, you know, Jamie coming out and winning the first round and, and uh, you know, basically, again, putting his name back in lights because he'd obviously had an opportunity with Gary Rogers and that, that didn't go well for him. Roland Dane. Craig got tied up in a, a bit of a messy situation, I think, from memory. Um, lost a front splitter or something. Jamie benefited from uh, from having the focus on him uh, for on the Sunday in particular where he could um, uh, then show his speed and win the race. And uh, that certainly set him up. Jamie spoke to Inside Supercars on Sunday night after that race. Fantastic to uh, get my first win um, with my first race meeting with Triple uh, Eight. Fantastic achievement for the team with Craig winning yesterday and myself winning today. Uh, I've been involved with the, the development and the hard work they've put in over the last uh, three months uh, and it's just great to all that hard work paid off. After the high of Clipsal, he had some challenges through the year. You know, it took him another year or so to get rid of some of the uh, mistakes that he was making, uh, to understand how to race in the category better. And, of course, he had a bit of a target on his back for some of the more senior drivers who saw this young upstart coming along and getting a plum seat. I think um, it wasn't until you know, sometime in 07 where he really showed to everyone else the potential we saw. Craig Lowndes. So for for me, it was it was a fascinating time to watch him. He was always very quick. He made um, some some mistakes early in the early stages, you know, driving mistakes, which is which is just a learning curve. But at the end of the day, fundamentally, he had the speed. He adapted to basically uh, my style of driving because that was you know the car was sort of more set up to the way that I'd liked it and, and wanted it. He adapted to that and got it sorted. Mark Dutton. He got the, the first win, uh, as you said, when he started. But then um, then it was a bit dry uh, for the rest of 2006, um, apart from Bathurst, which is obviously a big one. You know, to win Bathurst that year was, was something very special for me because of the passing of Peter Brock. But it really uh, cemented Jamie's position within the team and, and I'm sure Roland's decision to hire him. Congratulations, mate. Thank you very much. Uh, fantastic feeling. Uh, car was excellent all weekend. Craig is uh, Craig Lowndes. He's just the, uh, one of the best out there. And uh, five wins, five round wins this year. It's a fantastic effort. Congratulations. You, uh, you've learned a lot from him. It's calm as cool as ever. Oh, mate, I'm just proud for all the Ford fans, to be honest. Congratulations. The rise of Jamie Wincup was not without setbacks and the team suffered a major one at the start of 2007, as Roland Dane explains. It would have been earlier in 07, but um, tragically, the number one on his car, number one mechanic, committed suicide on New Year's Day in 07, and that had a, a, a huge um, negative impact on the, on the team for a while there. Uh, in fact, we, yeah, we had some, some very good help uh, in that period from um, Gary Coleman and uh, who who we owe as a team we owe a lot to because he uh, was very helpful when 
everyone's really struggling with this um, uh, atmosphere in the team at the beginning of 07. Um, and it wasn't until I think it was Winton in, in May of that year that we really rediscovered our, our mojo. Well, the, uh, I set the weekend up in race one when it uh, had a huge downpour of rain. Uh, I, I, we made the team, Vodafone made the right strategy to come in early and put uh, wet tyres on and, uh, and then everyone seemed to fall off in front of me and I was able to win that race. So that really set up my weekend. We had two good solid performances in race two and three with two second places and uh, very, very happy to leave Winton uh, with, uh, with maximum points and, and, a, and a great win for the team. Sort of huge sigh of relief to everyone to, to understand um, ourselves again and uh, reassemble ourselves as a as a team um, and and then from then on Jamie was was able to show that actually uh, he was uh, a future superstar. David Couchy had joined Triple Eight by 2008 and he found himself working on the data for both Triple Eight cars. Triple Eight was was already very competitive um, sort of by the time I got there, they, you know, they'd already come very close to winning the championship in 2007. Um, and, you know, in 2008, we sort of put, you know, collectively put it all together and, and managed to, Jamie got his, you know, his first championship win that year. What an, uh, what an amazing year. It's, uh, it's been a long, hard fought year, but we're so proud of our achievements to win the championship. To, uh, to win the team's championship, the pole award, most rounds, uh, consecutive 16 race wins. Um, it's just it, 2008 is by far a year that I'll never, ever forget. How hard do you think it is to back it up next year? Uh, hey, this year it couldn't have got any harder, so uh, I expect no different next year. Kevin Fitzsimmons reflected on what he considered one of Win Cup's most spectacular drives. First year we were in Hamilton in New Zealand, um, street race there, and I remember him, um, they pitted him early because he... Uh, he was sort of uh, caught up in some traffic and everything else like that. As he was driving out of the pit lane, Martin gave him a number on the radio that he had to drive to and said, we need 20 laps at this time. And we ended up doing about 28 laps, I think it was, within a hundredth of a second of the time he gave him. It was just blew my mind, you know. He just it sort of stood out as he was leaving pit lane to, uh, to, uh, to hear the time that he gave him. and thought, geez, that's ambitious. But um, the, the fact that he could, you know, hit every apex and, and nail absolutely everything lap after lap after lap was incredible. And then he repeated it the first year at Townsville as well, you know, just um, a, a very dominant weekend, but just the way he was able to, you know, consistently hit the things when all the things that go on when cars get hot and tyres get hot and brakes and gearboxes and you get tired and all those things, but to just string lap after lap after lap together um, was mind-blowing, you know, it, it was truly exceptional um it was it was be calm we knew we had a quick car um it was it was it was definitely be calm and uh and really attack and, and conserve the tires and attack um when we came into the pits so we changed the strategy we pitted, pitted early and uh and took advantage of, uh, of new tires got a gap and uh that was the end of the race jamie wrapped up the 2009 season to go back to back in the championship but it was not without its adversities, with the young man struggling with mental challenges throughout the year. You know, sometimes it, you just you just keep getting nailed down, you know, nailed down, nailed down, and everyone wants wants a piece. And sometimes you just got to focus on driving the car. And it's, the the more winning you do, the the harder that becomes, just to focus on driving the car. And that's what I want to do. So um, that arrogance comes from me just trying to 
concentrate on doing my job the best of my ability and, and anyone in my position wouldn't do any different you know if if i wasn't to do that well then i'd uh you guys wouldn't even want to talk to me because i'd i'll be running mid-pack or maybe you know towards the back so that's that's just the way it goes i i hate being called that but um you just gotta do what you gotta do you've won two championships and you, you you're saying i've got to look for the focus again is is someone like um another vodafone partner as it were at the brisbane Lions, someone like a michael voss who won three afl premierships is that the sort of people you need to sort out to to talk about this mental toughness yeah absolutely anyone that's um that that's performed at their best for three or four years is um has a special ability without doubt so any anyone in any sport um I'd love to be able to crack their brains and work out what makes them tick, for sure. Sheedy's here this weekend, actually. Yeah, hey, he knows all about it, for sure. You know, just performing right up, top-notch stuff for, for long periods of time. It's, it's a lot different than just going out there and building everything up and going and doing a good job. But backing it up year after year is, is a big deal. I've got a lot of respect for people that can do that. In 2010, the team made the switch to Holden, where they worked tirelessly over the Christmas period, as Roland explains. Yeah, one from a um, a team point of view, where Jamie was the lead uh, from a driving perspective, was when we we won our first race with Holden in Abu Dhabi in 2010. Um, it was actually a 1-2. Craig was second. Uh, so, and Jamie then won all four of the overseas races on the trot, uh, the two in Abu Dhabi and then the two in Bahrain the following weekend. Um, and that was an extremely uh, proud team moment of which Jamie played a, a massive role in. Yeah, awesome day. Um, of course, we're debuting brand-new Holdens here on a brand-new circuit to, to be pole position and uh, to be 1-2 in the race is a... It's just an amazing start and a bit of a dream come true for the team. Is this a, a sign of things to come? I mean, it can't get much better than this. Oh, I certainly hope so. We um we can't believe the start we've had, but um if I wasn't pumped up before, I am pumped up. It's going to be big 2010 and we're going to fight right to the end. One of the most iconic moments of Win Cup's career occurred in 2010, and it wasn't a win. With the laps at the iconic Bathurst racetrack counting down and his car closing in on his teammate at the front of the field, Jamie made a significant radio call to the team. He said to let Craig Lowndes know he wouldn't race him to the end, but would form up for a rare one-two finish on the mountain. Yeah, you, you do talk about these things. So you talk about if they were to happen, um, but you don't, you don't spend a lot of time talking on if everything goes right. But you do have to talk about these things in your strategy meetings. Um, so we, we had touched on it, but... Um, the, the funniest part of that was Jamie says that, but Craig's Craig response, the ever jovial okay from Craig, came through with, um, <laughs> with, with a little bit of caution in his voice thinking, oh, my God, okay, are we really going to do this? Is Jamie going to, you know, not, oh, oh I press the throttle half a percent too much and, and pitch at the post sort of thing. So you, you could hear the trepidation in Craig's voice. It was it was a great moment. Some part of your back of your brain, you don't know whether he's setting you up or whether it was actually legit, but you know, he, he was he was generally generally honest about what he wanted and was happy to create a one two finish which 
for me was 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 one of the biggest memories that, that I'll take out of you know being his teammate. Mark Dutton. Because we're in such a strong position at that stage, you can clearly just be enjoying it, and and you know it's nothing's about to go wrong. Obviously, it can always, but uh, yeah, you're really enjoying the moment. So um, yeah, had total faith that that Jamie would do it. Obviously, it was. Uh, uh, a, a spectacular result for the team, but uh, yeah, Craig Craig's voice at the time is uh, is something burned into into my memory as uh, as one of those little special moments that uh, maybe not everyone got to to hear or see. But uh, no, no, that that was uh, an amazing race. Yeah, we we probably could have gone head to head in those those closing laps, um, and potentially both of us may not have finished. Roland Dane. It was very adult particularly as he'd lost the win at Phillip Island uh, a few weeks before uh, with a, an issue uh, when he and Stevie Owen should have, should have walked that, that race. So for Jamie to, to realise that the importance of this uh, finish to the team uh, was mature, sensible, and he uh, did the right thing by by everyone, yeah. Whether it was the team as a whole, or whether it was the the partners, you know, Holden and Vodafone in particular, um, on the day that, uh, and that produces, yeah, produces imagery that stays stays around forever, um, which which helps underline a feat which, yeah, had only been done. Um, twice before and, and both times in a in a far less competitive environment. But did his engineer want him to go for broke and take the win? Now we had our time to, during the race to to be the the car in front, and 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 we weren't. So at that, at that stage, now you're just you're just happy that the the moment's happening, and and you're just enjoying it, and and really trying to to absorb it as much as you can without celebrating early. You obviously never want to celebrate early, but. Uh, Occasionally, you, you do try to to enjoy the moment as it's happening, not just after it happens. So, no, I was I was quite happy with him coming in second there. Right before the start of the 2012 season, Jamie's father passed away. It was a significant loss to the still young man, and just weeks later, he had to get back out on the track. Roland Dane reflects on his clipsal performance. His win in um, Adelaide in 2012. Uh, a few days after his um, father had died, uh, was something that I was uh, incredibly, yeah, proud of him. I mean, yeah, the team helped him do it and everything, but uh, Jamie drove the wheels off the car to ha- on a different strategy to to everyone else, uh, pretty much everyone else, and. Um, and beat um, Will Davison with half, half a lap to go. 
uh, that was an extraordinary performance of his on that day, which I think the whole team was proud to be a part of for him. Uh, I always do refer to um, his drive after his father passed as uh, as one of the most amazing ever. You know, he um, he pushed so hard. We we you know we 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 weren't up the front at all. We took the alternate strategy, and and the strategy we took in that race it was uh, you know a safety car came out, and everyone had to um, ultra conserve to the end. Um, but we went for the option of. Um, no, no, we're, we're going flat out here. We're going to let you do what you do best, which is go fast, lap after lap. So we came in, took the extra stop, but he had to, he had to do effectively quali laps every single lap in, in Adelaide's conditions, which, which, as you know, are always, always difficult. It's always hot there at the start of the year, et cetera. So that was, um, that was one of the most special ones. Obviously, the circumstances around it, um, yeah, the fact that that after what had just happened because it was so fresh that he could come out and do that, and that we uh, we we took the hard option, which was yeah, not the win it or bin it one, but it was the no mate, we're we're gonna you can win this if you um, do what you do best, which is go ultra fast, lap after lap, be consistent, don't put a single foot wrong, don't make a single mistake with everything that. Uh, that's been going on lately and in these conditions um that's always a standout work out a story of what the ultimate race is it was somewhat exactly what happened you know had to stop uh more than most and uh you have great car speed and and get there right at the end it was um it was phenomenal i hope everyone that was here enjoyed it and uh as i say it was probably one of my best performances in 2014 there was a change at triple eight Win Cup's engineer Mark Dutton stepped up in the team manager role and young engineer David Couchy moved up to race engineer. It wasn't the smooth transition that everyone had hoped. It was difficult. I mean, you know, it's it's a big jump no matter what. It's, it's sort of uh, very hard to get actual race engineering experience in the supercars field because... There's there's very limited jobs and um, very limited positions, just like just like driver seats. You know, there's only 26 race engineers. There's just like there's 26 drivers out there. So it's it's a massive jump, and and it's of course it's a lot of pressure um, when you're when you're engineering um, a guy who had already won lots of championships by then. But also it's a it's a good thing as well, you know, because I had I had lots of support from you know i'd seen it i'd seen it how how it should be done um and i had lots of support from all those people all those people were still there you know we were all still together when we won all, all, all the other championships up until then so i had a, i had an awesome support network but yeah you know there are probably times where you, you put a little bit too much pressure on yourself and you know you question yourself you doubt yourself but all those things are, are pretty pretty normal i think in um when you when you step up to a, a new position those sort of things happen but but like I said, I was, you know, I was opera. I was one person in, in a great team, and that's what um, that's what got us all through. By year's end, Jamie had won his sixth championship. It's been one hell of a roller coaster. One one I've enjoyed. Um, everyone's the, the commonly asked question is, uh, what's number six mean? It's uh, in, in in one aspect. I don't want to disrespect my last uh, championships, but at the same time. This one uh, right now feels 
bigger and better, harder than uh, than any other. We, um, we we dug deep this year. We were we had our backs against the wall come mid-season, and uh, we were able to to step up as a group and uh, and deliver and and get the and at the end of the day get get the chocolates. Always a team develops and changes, but this year was probably the most significant changes at those high critical levels. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, you can't do the same thing year in, year out. And uh, we have fantastic management at Red Bull Racing to, uh, to recognise that and to always be uh, keeping it fresh and to making sure that uh, we, we absolutely are on, uh, are on top of the game. And um, yeah, at the end of the day, there's, uh, there's, there's one name that can be put on that trophy, but it, uh, it's, a, it's a serious group effort by a lot of people that have gone into it and couldn't, couldn't be prouder of uh, the people involved in uh, Getting, uh, getting the sixth championship for, for Triple Eight. Another moment that Roland enjoyed was Win Cup's seventh championship victory in Newcastle. The thing was in doubt right up until he was crossing the line and winning the race. Uh, and then the, um, yeah, the explosion of emotion and, uh, and the relief that goes with that and everything uh, was an extraordinary Jamie plus team moment. Uh, those are the ones that, that stick out. Yeah, unbelievable day. Great for great for motorsport. At the end of the day, um, we were gutted yesterday after the penalty, or not the penalty, the the tyre blowout, and ending up in the wall. We thought uh, we don't deserve that. We've we've grounded out and worked too hard and um, made too many sacrifices this year to, to for it to end like that. So we did our job today, put our head down. Um, clearly, someone looking down on us got the job done after the after the the, the last lap of the last race. As Jamie now approaches his final race as a main driver, it is fitting to look over his results. Seven championships, 124 race wins, four Bathurst 1000 victories. Here is what he said to Inside Supercars following his 100th victory at Sydney Motorsport Park. Jamie Winkup, congratulations, 100 victories in V8 Supercars. When you paid for the flight up to Queensland for your, you know, your one shot, yeah. How surreal is it now to be sitting here with everything you've achieved? Yeah, in some way it seems like yesterday, in another way it uh, seems like forever ago. But um, I, I knew once once I got that call to join Triple Eight that it uh, it was a massive opportunity. I had to make you know I had to absolutely grab it with two hands, and uh, I did that. Joined the team. Um, certainly ran second behind Lounsey for many years, and then uh, then decided to re rewrite the script a bit and try to try to make it my own. And um, very very proud to be a part of, of, of an amazing group of people, and um, looking forward to seeing what we can do from here on in. Is the situation at Triple Eight now exactly the same as it was when you joined Triple Eight? You were the younger driver coming in, and and the experienced driver was there established. Is this what we've got now with Shane and yourself? Uh, I think so, in some degree, yeah, for sure. Shane and I are much closer um, in age than what Lounsey and I um, than what Lounsey and I are. Shane's very established as well. Remember, I hadn't won a race; I was absolutely no one when I joined. Uh, but uh, yeah, Shane's a lot more established joining the team. So, in some way, it is similar. You know, the the uh, it just revol it evolves. You know what I mean? So. Um, but in another way, it's, it's very different as well. And the, back in the day, it was just a group of people. We were just trying to, we were just building two cars to go fast. 
now we've uh, we've got multiple cars. We've got we've got a full parts business for all for uh, every car in pit lane. So um, the concept is very different, but in some way, still the same people doing the same thing, loving the same sport. When Roland looked at you and went, well, I've seen what he's been doing at, at Gary's and in his other roles, but here's a guy that just presents himself like Craig does, who is well more established. Uh, I'd like to think so. You just don't know, but. Uh you, know, you don't know. You talk to someone in the street. You don't know who they're who they're linked to. Um, and at the end of the day, you want to be a good person. You know, I was. I'm very thankful. My, my, I've been. I've been brought up to actually respect people and and do the right thing whenever you can. So um, that that seemed to uh, that seemed to. I, I believe it's a. It's been a, a positive and it's the right thing to do. And one day, if I've cut little tackers running around, I'll be. Uh, I'll be bringing them up the same as my father did. Mm. Well, a centurion now. Two of you at the um, dinners makes it a bit better for Lounsey than having to talk to himself or not. Yeah, yeah, it's obviously a huge achievement, one I'm, one I'm very proud of. and um, the, We're very good at bottling the, the, the celebrations. We'll uh, I'll just go have a uh, room service back at the Rudy Hill RSL and um, you know, we'll, we'll bottle it all up for, uh, for, for the end of the year and hopefully we've got a few more race wins. Coming up next, we go back in time to find out more about Jamie Winkup's family and how it shaped his career in racing. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie's Stewart Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark, not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. For those nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day, there's pickup. Or at Friday Work Drinks. Well, you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP and wake up worry free. Every champion's journey starts somewhere, and on the eve of Jamie Wincup's retirement from full time racing, Inside Supercars has spoken with some of the people that were part of his journey to Triple H and his eventual domination of the sport. This is the origin story of Jamie Wincup. We speak to his uncle Graham Wincup, karting mentor Grant Lindstrom, Mick Ritter, who guided him through his Formula Ford years, and Tim Miles, former owner of Tasman Motorsport, his final stop before joining Triple H. He's become like the, the consummate professional as far as motorsport is concerned. He, he he does his job. He always lets his driving do his talking. thing that I would suggest stands out most, and, and I'm sure still does to this day, is one of the most single-minded people that I've ever met in my life. Jamie doesn't get the credit that he deserves for, for the amount that he's done, in my opinion, because he's been for so many years the benchmark in the sport. This story starts with Dad Dave and Uncle Graham deciding that a career in motorsport was a logical choice. I started motorsport quite late in life and I wish I'd gone back you know, a lot earlier and started earlier in something not, not as quite as developed as the Monza was because I, I never did it justice as the way when, when I built the car. So when Jamie come along, and this is all David's fault because David... Jamie's father used to take me out to Calder and, and to Fisherman's Bend and got me around motorsport probably when I was 
eight or ten years old, he dragged me along to car races, and he had friends that had cars. So when Jamie was born, and because David and I had been actively involved in, in the Monzas and things like that, he really never had much of a choice. Like, he was going to be a race car driver whether he thought it was a good idea or not. David and I thought it was a great idea, so that was that. Going racing was a family affair. Dave and Graham Winkup had a lot of fun with each other. When we and used it- to go to the... Uh, to the go-kart races or, or and then on to um, motorsport in, in, in Formula Ford or Formula Ford. Uh, Dave was always there, of course, and uh, people used to come up to me, people I'd, I'd known for many, many years from racing sports sedans and so on and say, you know, I think it was Gary Rogers might have said it one day, and he was one of many, you know, Gray, you're a great bloke. You always bring your father along to the car racing, and they always thought that David, my Jamie's father, was my father, and Jamie was my son because Dave had silver hair. Like he, he, his dark hair um, disappeared into into a light grey when he was in his late twenties. So he always looked a lot older than what he was. So it was always a bit of a bit of a joke. Oh yeah, I always bring my dad along to the races, and <laughs> Dave used to get so annoyed with it. Cart purchased and Jamie starting racing. Graham felt that he needed to assist his brother to ensure that his nephew had the best possible grounding in motorsport. And I thought, well, I've got to try and help as much as I can as early as possible to give him a great foundation um, in motorsport. So by the time he gets to 18 or 20, that he, he's got all the racing knowledge and and everything behind him that he needs to go on and become a champion. Their preparation of Jamie wasn't just about preparing his cart and driving fast. It's very cheap to look presentable, you know, we, uh, and I got growing up um, through, through great parenting to always just make the most of each situation and it doesn't cost anything to make sure your go-kart's clean every time you hit the, every time you hit the track. So we would, uh, we, we'd, we'd spend Monday to Friday making sure we're all ready to go and as presentable as possible and go out there and do as professional job as you can. It's just amazing, um, not just in this sport, but you never know who's watching on, you know. You know, in, in all facets of life, you've got to respect your elders. I was brought up like that, and, and Dave was brought up like that. We had a, a fairly hard taskmaster in our dad, and, and Jamie was brought up the same way, to do the right thing and, and respect your elders. And and I remember this young fellow um, at a go-kart race got up at an, on the dais, and he, he, he looked like he'd just been dragged through the local tip and... Uh, didn't present very well and got up there and he said, thank the club and I'd like to thank my old man for bringing me. And I was aghast at this kid, you know, and if you remember back in the old days, Tony, whenever we went somewhere, we were always clean and tidy. We had uniforms, everything was clean and tidy. Jamie went up to pick up a a trophy and um, he was dressed reasonably well and and with the, the, the team uniform on. And I said to Jamie on the way back after he, he picked up his trophy, I said, if I ever hear you talk like that, I'll kick you in the backside. And thank goodness he's, he's never, ever been disrespectful to anybody, uh, as far as I know. And uh, that's just a, another part of, of him growing up that I suppose we we tried to teach him, um, you know, not only have you got to be a good race driver, but you've got to be a good person. And, uh, and respect your sponsors and, and, and everybody else around you to do the right thing because no one likes to uh, be involved with a, 
with a person that's got no respect. Graham said that to help develop his presentation skills, they encouraged Jamie to attend Toastmasters from a very early age. Toastmasters was was a thing that that uh, was relayed to us through a friend that was very heavily involved with it, and it was a little bit of personalised tutoring with with Jamie, and um, we used to uh, have a uh, I still have a, a farm which is about a two hour drive out of Melbourne, and uh, sometimes we'd pick up Jamie on the way up there and. Uh, we'd uh, give him a a subject that he had to talk about for 10 minutes. And uh, it was quite funny, some of the things he used to say, you know, uh, talk about split pins or or, uh, all sorts of stupid things. But it it gave him a great grounding that he could could communicate and and talk about things with with, uh, um, promoters or TV or media like that. And he's still very good at that today. Both mentor Grant Lindstrom, an established CART team manager, and Uncle Graham agreed that Jamie had an innate driving ability as a junior in CARTs. Jamie was exceptionally good at was on cold tyres and in slippery conditions. He was just he was exceptionally good at that. In a go kart in a race situation, he he'd uh, he'd, he'd jump the first the start and jump the first lap and always he'd always pull a gap if he was you know if he was on the front row thereabouts. Yeah, he was always exceptionally good on on, on um, cold and 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 he was very good on slippery condition track too. Right back at go kart days, you know, he he was always a good qualifier. You know, you go through your heats, and Jamie would always end up in the finals in the first two rows, and and that was sort of what was expected of him to do. He probably like most kids that age, they take a little while to, to blossom, but then uh, then then Jamie blossomed a lot. But he was just—I I just wrote down a few little notes that I sort of remember. And back then, with the cadets or what they called rookies and midgets, we used to do a lot of you know engine development or trick around with engines and things like that. So Amy was always really good for testing because he always he'd do a, he'd always give it a hundred percent, and uh, he would always be consistent at what he did, which you know obviously went on to what he showed in his career. You know, he was always keen to test too. Where a lot of kids at that age, they sort of get a little bit. Uh, they get a bit over it after they've done quite a few laps, but Jamie was always really keen to keep going. And if if he, if he wanted to do something else, he was more than keen to, to have another go at it, you know. Right through from rookies to juniors up until, you know, his Formula A time, he had good people around him with Grant Lindstrom and Remo Luciani and Les May and these sort of guys. And, and the expectation was always there to do the job. Um, not not to make up the field. Like we're not here to. This is this is not. This is probably a bit crude, but we're not here to have fun. We're here to win races. You know, we're 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 not making up the numbers. So that was Jamie's job, and and um, he he went out and did what he had to do, uh, and he didn't make a big fuss about it. That's that was part of his job. He was part of the team, and he was to go out and win races. And and I, I suppose. It, it just happened each weekend, one after the other, and um, without being very biased, that's what he, he did. In 1998, he moved from juniors to seniors. His first outing was the Portland Street Prix. Here is Ian Sylvestrin's call of the closing stages. Jamie Wincup wins the 1998 Portland Street Grand Prix Formula 100 final, and it's quite a magnificent victory for this man as this is his first ever meeting as a senior. 
a very young Jamie spoke about his Portland win. It's good, nice long strays, there's twisty turns, it's a bit rough in some places, but the whole layout is very good. There's a lot more people here and they've just improved on it so much over the year. Here's Grant Lindstrom again. He, he was quite um, quite dominant there and it was a very good field too. I think it was Mark Winterman was there and maybe Paul Dumbrell and there was a few others there. The reason he was so good on a street circuit is because, as I said before, his control on 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 a slippery surface, which a street circuit obviously is, or was when we used to have them, yeah, that, that, that was pretty incredible effort for his first up. By the end of 1998, Ian Sylvestrin's magazine, Cart Oz, had announced Jamie Winkup as the Australian Carter of the Year. I think that was 1980, he won in the Commonwealth of A, and then um, he won Formula A, I think. Scott Gullen has just spent the past 12 months working with Jamie to write his autobiography, Drive of a Lifetime. Go-karts, they were his uncle, dad and him. They were known as the you know, the Holden team because they had the polos and the tents and they were well-dressed. And There was a perfection about what they did then. They, they stood out because they were the best going around. The thing there was they, they, they actually revolutionised go-karting a little bit as, as far as Go-karts used to be pretty plain back then. You know, people wouldn't paint them or what they'd be painted, but the plastics wouldn't be colour-coded or anything like that. And they, they, what they did, and, and Jamie was all for it too. He probably helped, helped design a lot of it. Is, you know, they, they made up sticker kits and things like that to put on the, on the cart to make it just look so much more professional. But, you know, what it actually looks like now, they, uh, it was probably a little bit rawer than what it, what it is now, but, um, yeah, they, they they did a lot of that. So um, and and they were probably one of the first ones then to because Graham had the you know grashing t-shirts the t-shirt business. They made a lot of t-shirts for our business and and hats and things like that, which was something that not many people had back then. So they had all team stuff and things like that. So they, they looked like a, a look professional. You look at it now, you probably think it's not that professional, but for you know, back in the early nineties, it was it was quite uh, quite professional. You know, so. Young WA driver Garth Tander was the new kid on the block in supercars, and started noticing this young hotshot Carter at the track. Known Jamie for a very long time, um, even really before he moved into Formula Ford. So it was probably his last year in karting. Um, a lot of my mates from my karting days in Victoria were involved with Jamie's karting um, as he was finishing up, so racing in the Australian title. So went to a few of the big Australian kart meetings as Jamie was in his final year, I think it was, of karting with, with my karting mates and and, um, and took notice of what he was up to. Mick Critter was building his business, Sonic Motorsport. After mentoring Alex and Will Davison, he was looking around for the next crop of young stars. Obviously first came across Jamie um, when he, I was, you know, pretty involved with the Davison family and, and of course, Will, um, particularly Will and Jamie were were good mates along with Alex, you know, that obviously uh, had their karting careers together and hung out a fair bit and so on. Um, and Jamie was, you know, at that time just embarking on his, you know, what was the start of his sort of Formula Ford um, career, um, which at the time he was a, a little family-run thing, you know, that sort of Graham and, and his dad Dave were largely, I suppose, orchestrating with the help of um, a couple of other guys. Um, so, you know, we sort of watched him a little bit 
over the first sort of couple of years and obviously took, you know, he was he was already performing at a, you know, pretty high level in a little privately run thing and um, obviously came, you know, we, we did a deal with the Wing Cups um, for 2002 and things went from there. Inside Motorsport spoke to Jamie Wing Cup about his domination of the 2002 Formula Ford Championship. Well, at the start of the show, I mentioned we'd be speaking with Jamie Wing Cup. He's heading to Oran Park to continue on his fantastic run. Four wins already in the Formula Ford Championship. And I started by asking him if he had run at the Oran Park circuit previously. It is indeed. Yeah, I raced the track last year in the Formula Ford Championship and uh, I'm very familiar with the track. We uh, were tested there before this year and done a lot of testing last year. This year the championship's as strong as it's sort of ever been. You know, our team is 1-2 at the moment. The, the Sonic, Valvoline, Cummins, Repco team are, are working really hard and really well and Although we're only halfway through the championship, we are leading the, uh, the, the championship quite conventionally and, uh, and hopefully uh, we, we continue that performance towards the end of the season. Well, not really, you know. Records are sort of a bonus. You, you go out there, records along the way, well, so be it. You definitely don't, or no driver goes out. But, uh, you know, in saying that, it's, uh, it's a great achievement for myself to be able to uh, be the first ever driver to win for, hopefully at uh, Oran Park we can make it five. I think that the track selection has been really well, or really good. We, uh, as you say, we went to Wakefield Park, and that's a very sort of quite a small track. We uh, we get round the track in a minute, two seconds. Uh, it offered really, really good racing. There were four or five cars right up the front, battling for uh, first position. Really, a, a great weekend. And then we went to Canberra, which. Uh, which is unbelievable to, to race around the, the Parliament building like we did on the other side while we race cars, and it's really a, sort of a, a great thrill. Um, I've raced go karts, as I say, uh, a few times during, down the streets of Street Manning and Portland Street Manning and, and places like that. So I, I think uh, racing street circuits in go karts definitely helped me at Canberra. Um, and yeah, we were lucky enough to come away with two wins, which is great. I started racing go-karts when I was seven years old and we, you know, we just work hard at everything we do. Every championship we, uh, we sort of go in, we put in our 100% and, and try to finish high up in the championship as possible. And uh, yeah, in 1998 and 1999 I, I won a couple of Australian championships. Since then we've raced Formula Ford and it's not until this year that we've, uh, we've got involved with Sonic Motorsport involving Michael Ritter and, and Andy Gilbert. Um, who's really pushed our Formula Ford sort of campaign along and Michael, uh, he's been around Formula Ford for years and, uh, and done a couple of good drivers in Australia, as you say, Will Davidson. Uh, he runs Stuart McColl before that and then Will's older brother, Alex. Now, all that data and information that Michael's um, obtained over those, those three drives so quick, uh, quick as what it is uh, today. Uh, so, yeah, we really did have a, a really good base set up and we've got a lot of data to go by. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've developed the car a lot between myself and my teammate Marcus. Um, you know, we've really worked hard this year and, and found a lot of time out of the car. Like, uh, you know, from, from the, the way the car is now to what it was at the start of the year, it's probably a good half a second quicker than, than what we started off with. And uh, that shows that the lap times we've been producing, uh, you know, at the race means 
which we've competed at. So, uh, no, you know, we're all... The, you know, the development before uh, I come along into the team has really helped. And uh, But, no, we're still working hard and still still developing. And as I say, we're leading the championship in the moment. There's still a long way to go. We're only halfway. And, uh, and for that, yeah, hopefully a good result. We've had a few options uh, to race cars overseas, and uh, we've also got a few options to race cars in Australia. The, the past champions of Formula Ford have sort of scattered in all directions. Some have gone to England, some America, some have gone to Germany to race cars. At the end of the day, it all comes down to, to what opportunities arise and do arise, making the most of the opportunities. Getting your name known around Australia is just uh, being in the right place at the right time, and uh, you know driving cars quick and, and having good results. I am trying to work on my uh, my own PR and hopefully that works forward over the years to come. Who knows what, what we're going to come up with at the end of the year. You know, all I can do is put in my 100%, keep uh, racking up results, hopefully they speak for themselves. Jamie Winkup, certainly a driver to keep an eye on for the rest of this season. Mick Ritter reflects on Jamie's attitude and determination through the Formula Ford years. Probably the thing that I would suggest stands out most and, and I'm sure still does to this day is um, probably, you know, one of the most single-minded people that I've ever met in my life. So that that is, that is that's for me is the absolute standout and, you know, the work ethic that goes with that. The next step was not far off and Graham Winkup talks about how Jamie made his first step into the Supercars series. Well, Gary had a lot to do with Valvoline and, and Valvoline um, <clears throat> were sponsors of Mick Ritter and Mick and and um, Gary used to talk quite regularly and, and Gary would be up on the wall at a lot of the, the Formula Fords running side by side and he sort of looked at Jamie and and um, thought, you know, this this guy's going to be okay. And, and of course, Gary and I raced against each other uh, in sports sedans and, and were friendly rivals for many, many years. And he used to talk to me about Jamie and um, that's how it happened. He got the opportunity to have a test with Gary at Winton um, one day. Uh, Gary tried out three or four other, other guys and, uh, Gary decided that Jamie um, would would have a steer on in one of the supercars. Clearly, um, that was a effectively, I think, you know, more or less the arrangement with um, with Gary Rogers back in the day was that if he, um, I think, you know, it, it was something that they got we got talking about during the course of the year. If Jamie won the championship or looked like he was going to win the championship um he was on for you know an enduro ride with him and he he just happened to um i think clinch the formula ford championship that same weekend at queensland raceway on the very same weekend as a you know whatever he was at the time probably 18 um doing double duty in his first you know first crack in a supercar as an enduro so it's um pretty amazing thing to think about these days when he moved to formula ford he ultimately ended up in the Valvoline-sponsored Formula Ford, which was run out of the Sonic stables. And um, obviously, I was driving a GRM at the time, so we had a, a strong Valvoline connection through the sponsorship. And at that point in time, Gary was responsible. Gary Rogers was responsible for allocating the Valvoline money towards Formula Ford. So 
we were obviously keeping an eye on the Valvoline Formula Ford, which Jamie was driving, and he won the championship easily the year that he won the Australian Formula Ford Championship. And he pretty much jumped straight into a Valvoline supercar, and uh, I think that was 2002 when he won the Formula Ford Championship. And he did the endurance races with us at GRM, teammates with Max Dumsney sharing the car in the endurance races. Jamie and I became teammates in 2003 at Gary Rogers Motorsport in his first full year in the Supercars Championship. So, you know, basically, we start, I was his first ever full-time teammate in Supercars. Graham Wincup said the transition was a tough one for a young driver. I, I think, uh, and this is all the respect to, to GRM in the world, that, you know, Jamie got out of a Formula Ford at uh, Queensland Raceway and virtually changed his overall, ran straight up and hop into a Commodore and raced um, um, raced it in an endurance event that weekend. And there was really, get in it and drive it, mate. And, and I don't think Jamie had done very little amount of driving a manual car, let alone, you know, hopping into a, a race car. So perhaps there could have been a little bit more time tutoring him and, and getting him to understand um, what the car is all about uh, and how, how it operates. But, you know, that he was in at the deep end and do the best you can and, and you work it out as you go along. And uh, I, I remember a famous story he told me one night, and this was after he raced with Garth Tander at Bathurst and, and crashed it. And he said, you know, I'm flying around this track thinking, what the hell am I doing here? You know, what am I supposed to be doing? You know, and he was just barreling into corners and, and things like that. But so, you know, it was a, it's very hard for young kids to make their, their way. And I think there's a great thing with, um, with Triple Eight. You know, they, they coached him a lot and helped him along and Craig was a great influence on him and things like that. But the early days were certainly tough, that's for sure. Wincup's time at GRM was not as long as first thought and it looked like his supercar career could be in trouble, as Graham explains. Oh, it was a disappointment. Um, Gary called me up and uh, he said, can you come down for a chat? And uh, I thought, well, this is to talk about next year's deal and what we're going to do, you know. And Jamie certainly wasn't paid very much when uh, when you you drive as the as the second driver at GRM, and um, you know you've actually got to earn your keep. And uh, when I got there, uh, he said, "I just thought I'd let you know that Jamie won't be racing for us next year." And uh, I I was uh, took a, a deep breath and I said, "Oh," uh, and um, I don't think he actually gave me a reason why. And and I went away and I I came back and calling to see Dave on the way back, and I said, Jamie hasn't got to drive next year, you know, and it was very disappointing for him. Um, but in hindsight, something that that was probably good for him um, because he, he, he worked at finding another drive uh, very hard and um, never never took his eyes off what he, he wanted to do. And, uh, you know, he was um, then at Tasman but Jamie's natural abilities would not be lost to the sport. Enter Tim Miles and the Tasman Motorsport team. Pete Darren Parker did a test day with us and um, and Wally Story, who's nobody's fool, uh, came wandering up to Kevin I and said, um, you need to sign that bloke quickly before somebody else works out how quick he is. So for, for many years, I enjoyed 
taking the mickey out of Gary Rogers about how Gary let him go and 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 you know first year he came and drove for us we 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 he and Jason Richards very nearly won, won Bathurst so I enjoyed taking the mickey out of Gary Rogers about that and um and Roland Dane equally enjoyed taking the mickey out of me about how we let him go from Tasman and uh, and Triple Eight put him so um so 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 we, he's he's uh how would you how, how would you word it he, he he was only with us for twelve months. And he and he left us because he knew that he uh, needed to have a better team, a better infrastructure around him than we could give him in Tasman. And uh, he won his first race for Triple Eight when he went there. And um, I got a text from him. I sent him a text congratulating him. He sent me a text back saying thanks. And then uh, I got a text from Roland Dane saying you know, uh, thank you for handing him on. He was cheap. So uh, it was um, uh, it was interesting to see how how. how uh, much confidence Jamie had and, how, and, and faith in himself when he was such a young bloke back then. Unfortunately, the Tasman team had plans which would not include Jamie moving forward. We, we were trying to get the team to a level where it was where it uh, justified Murph's signature, and, and so we were trying to keep uh, contracts to short periods. So I said twelve months uh, rather than longer periods, um, and we were also trying to get. Holden's support um, for the uh, for the drivers and Holden were, were very very supportive of, of uh, Jason and and Jamie wasn't yet on, on their books and um, to be quite honest with you when um, ja- Jamie came in and had a conversation with Kevin Murphy about wanting a longer contract etc cetera, etc cetera, and 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 Kev said Jamie if, if if you've got an opportunity to go and drive for Triple Eight, um, you should do it because because we're not building this around you, and 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 they'll give you a better opportunity. And 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 Kev did the right thing by Jamie and and, and telling him that. And and um, if, if Jamie hadn't if that hadn't been available to Jamie, we would have definitely signed him. But but I think um, both Kev and I uh, understood that we were we we. We'd, got the funding to put Tasman together from a bunch of Kiwis and it was about promoting Kiwi talent and, and for that reason um, Jamie was a bit of a stopgap for us as silly as that sounds now when you look at all the success he had. Next, the celebrated story of a young driver who was hoping to stay in the sport began. The story goes Jamie flew to Queensland to meet with Roland Dane without the funds for a return ticket. Graham Winkup says perhaps this is more folklore than fact. It sounds like a good story, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, I'm not sure about that, but uh, maybe I should ask him for the money I gave him for a refund for the airfare. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm not too sure about But I know that Kevin Murphy was trying to renegotiate with Jamie uh, uh, at that stage to uh, to stay with, uh, with Tasman. And uh, Jamie got the opportunity to go and... Uh, and Talk to Roland and uh, and Mike and the others at uh, at Triple Eight. He, he thought that would be a a great team to, to go forward with, and uh, he went up there uh, and, and had a great interview with them. You know, I, I, there were other people that uh, had been interviewed for the job, but Roland said before the interview was over, we knew which guy was going to drive our car. Coming up next, we look at the misunderstood champion. Sad me in the sense of the fans. Look, I know that they're loyal. They're they're very proud and and they're very aligned with personalities. He, he didn't go car racing to be famous. He went car racing to drive race cars. We hear from some of his closest peers and partners, 
Roland Dane, Craig Lowndes, Mark Dutton and David Couchy. You know, he, he does all his talking on, on the race circuit. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie Stewart at the Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. For those nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day, there's pickup. Or at Friday Work Drinks. Well, you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP and wake up worry free. One of the most disappointing aspects of Wincup's career is that instead of celebrating his success, some motorsport spectators became hostile towards him, famously booing the champion after he had won major events. Roland Dane provided his perspective on that part of Jamie's career. Whenever I'm shooting the breeze with, <laughs> um, with my peer group and my friends, etc., in, in Europe, uh, and they inevitably say, well, what are the best best and worst things about being in Australia compared with being in in the UK, for instance. And, uh, yeah, there's clearly the weather and friendliness of uh, most people and the sort of attitude to life in Australia, which can be so positive. Um, and then you've got the negatives. And I always say, well, number one is speed limits. Um, number two is bureaucracy and um, nanny state approach uh, and and number three is tall poppy syndrome and uh, Jamie has suffered from a lot of ignorant people uh, giving him a hard time over many years because of his success and uh, unfortunately I see that yeah reflected uh, many times in Australian sport uh, the the good thing is though that normally the passage of time uh, deals with that, and I think that Jamie will be uh, respected as he deserves by almost everyone um, in the fullness of time. But in the short term, the there are people who who resent his success for whatever reason, um, which is a shame. But uh, it's amplified these days by social media uh, in in a way which I think a lot of us have come to realise that undermines the meaning of social media. It becomes unsocial media and um, quite repulsive at times. So Jamie's been exposed to that in a way which some of his predecessors haven't been. Uh, but in the fullness of time, the the respect will be there from I would I would suggest pretty much everyone who's who's ever followed the sport, let alone been involved in it, um, and deservingly so. Craig Lounge remembers these situations clearly. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And 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 sometimes not only Jamie, there was other drivers that that, that got that treatment. And 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 it saddened me in the sense of the fans. Look, I know that they're loyal. They're they're very proud and and they're very um, aligned with with personalities. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's motor racing. We've got to celebrate whether it's a Ford or a Holden, or whether it's a James Courtney or a Jamie Wincup. Um, so for me, that was always a little bit of a sad moment because of people's just emotions probably take over. And, and I felt for Jamie because, you know, he puts his heart and soul into what he had done and winning races is something that we'd all strive for. I think that because of his personality, again, the Mark Scaves, I'd even say the Marcus Ambrose. Um, they sort of weren't really fan favourites because of just the way they they or their attitude and the way they approached the race weekends, and it's, it's it's a shame because their fans are worth not seeing the the results of what you know this you know person Jamie had created or achieved. They're just sort of seeing him as a personality, and and really, as you said, it didn't really matter to the fans where you finish. It was just the personalities that they'd they wanted to connect with. Lowndes said being the most popular driver of the modern era made the relationship with the fans more difficult. It was hard for Jamie because I suppose of our popularity, but the same token, it's uh, just trying to think of a, a, a analogy, probably Senna and Prost in, 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 in the same team of Formula One. Like it's when you've got, you know, in a sense, two heavyweights, um, but then we've got two different personalities. It always is a difference. So it, it's uh, for Jamie, although his results will always stand up and be shown and, and in history of, of how many championships he's won and races and everything else. But, but yeah, the, 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 he wasn't one of the popular drivers in, in public eye. But that's just, you know, again, that's just unfortunately the way that his personality is. David Couchy noted that the negative opinions and conduct of fans never impacted on Jamie's behaviours around the team. In all the time I've known Jamie, I've never seen any, you know, big, you know, flashy sort of statements or articles or anything like that. And, um, you know, he absolutely lets, yeah, does all his talking on on the race circuit. And, and I think that's a really, that's something that I'm, you know, r- really sort of um, love about about his personality. Um, you know, I think talks, talks cheap um, in any sport and certainly in motorsport. Um, and what actually matters is what you do on track and the results you get. And that's probably why, you know, I mean, there's no question he's, 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 the, he's the greatest and he's, been, he's managed to consistently perform an unbelievably high level for a, for a very long period of time. And, and, and that's what is, is very, very hard to do. You know, it, um, it, it's hard enough to win uh, one championship um, you know, very few can back up and win two. Um, you know, to win to win seven um, is, you know, almost unbelievable. But and 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 the other thing I think that y- you can't sort of uh, brush over is the fact that uh, if he if he hasn't won the championship, he's pretty much been second. Um, you know, every other year. So you know, he he just really hasn't had. Ha- hasn't had a bad year, um, and I think that's that's a, a, a you know that's why he's you know without question uh, one of the greatest of all time. Tim Miles employed Jamie at Tasman Motorsport, then later became a co-owner at Triple Eight. He said the public didn't understand Jamie's focus. 
He's a very genuine character. He, he didn't go car racing to be famous. He went car racing to drive race cars, and, and he's still the same, and, and he, he realises the obligation that, that you have as a sports startup to be accessible to the public, etc. But he goes racing to race cars, and, and so he, he sort of doesn't pretend to be anything else, and I think that's part of where the detractors come from that you mentioned. Um but he's a very, very, very genuine person. Scott Gullen found Wincup's approach to be laser-focused, which was developed in him from a young age. He had this uh, attitude of how to win and he wanted to win and he wanted to be perfect at what he did. And he only ever looked at, so you mentioned go-karts, so, all right, I'm going to be the best go-karter, but he never thought of Formula Ford and then that was the logical step and then it was, all right, I'm going to be the best Formula Ford driver and then, he, he never, he always focused on what was in front of him rather than the big picture, which I found fascinating. And then supercars was the logical next step. And then he went about trying to be the best at that. But you, you're so right. I think his, his attitude and his principles were set very, very early. And it was clear he wanted to be, he was a racer by blood and he wanted to be a racer. And that's all he wanted to do. And he wanted to be the best he could. Craig said nothing went unnoticed. And his approach to racing also heightened the differences between the two men. Yeah, I suppose it's just one of those things for me. I've just always enjoyed the sport. Um, I've, as I said, I've always just tried to be me in the sense of, uh, you know, the understanding also that the sport has to have fans, and and uh, that for me was always very important to share their stories and and share time with them. No different to what Peter Brock did, and I think that Peter and I were very similar in our mannerisms and. The way that we operate as, as personalities, I I take a lot of energy out of out of fans and talking to fans, and I think that you know again if you look back through my career, uh, any time it was going bad in the sense of inside the race car or our performance was bad, I'd always go out and talk to fans because it it, it made me happy. So for Jamie, that would be the opposite. If if things were going bad, he would basically retreat and you know look at data and not want to do anything sponsor-related, anything, just so he could focus on how to turn things around. So, yeah, we were very, as I said, chalk and cheese. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it worked for both of us. I think I've seen a bit of a change in Jamie, you know, especially in his last year now, that since he's made his announcement to, to retire or step down as a full-time driver, he's now become relaxed. Um, he's, I think, enjoying the racing. It's almost gone full circle for him. Uh, so there's a little bit of a difference, um, but the same token, as I said, uh, you know, I've always just enjoyed it. He has, you know, I'm going to say Jamie's been a thorn in my side for probably seven, eight years because I think I finished second to him about that many times. So, um, you know, he, he's a champion in his own right. We've gone head to head, uh, you know, for championships. And um, so it's it, the beauty about it, though, is it just has worked for the team. So that, that's the, the ultimate thing, is it's been, a, it's been a huge team effort. There was often speculation about Wincup's future, with rumours in the press that he was looking to head overseas, but Roland never once gave them any credence. Um, I was 95% sure that Jamie wasn't going to go anywhere outside Australia. He's, um, yeah, he's not somebody who upsticks and moves very easily and we have teased him for years here about you know when he lived in Sanctuary Cove about not wanting to go out of Sanctuary Cove so now he lives in Brisbane so you know he's ventured north a few kilometers 
but I've I've never thought Jamie would end up overseas. I just uh, didn't think that that's what he ever really wanted to do. Roland Dane says that Jamie changed the way the team went racing, and as an engineering company, they were always looking to find the next edge over the competition. Dane said they were able to find those 1% differences for their drivers. Giving the drivers the, the right lead-up to events, um, having the organisation of the events themselves structured around what's best for the driver to give the best performance in the car, um, what they have to do at various times, what they eat, um, and uh, and then the, the environment of the car itself. Uh, and uh, for instance, the yeah, Jamie um, Jamie couldn't operate uh, as well without a an efficient cool suit system as Craig could. Uh, so, but when it was clear that we were going to get a better performance from Jamie if we came up with a um, a better cool suit design, um, we became the first people to to develop the sort of tool suit that you've seen in use over the last decade or so in supercars, the dry ice total loss system, um, which, if you remember, a decade or more ago, people just had eskies in there with lumps of lumps of ice in uh, that sometimes worked, sometimes didn't, and etc. And so the whole category has cottoned on to the fact that um, you can actually improve the driver's environment a lot with um, with uh, great cool suit technology. So, yeah, th- those are areas where, where Jamie's had a, a major influence. So what are the traits of a greatest of all time? Mark Dutton explains. The ability to win um, starts with the competitiveness and the desire to win. You know, he, he wants to win. He believes he can win. Um, and he does it in a measured way. So... Um, it's very, very rare that Jamie gets a, a 50-50 passing move wrong. Um, yeah, he's he's very he's he's very um, very accurate with what he does. Um, whether it's setting up the car, whether it's the um, the you know the ergonomics of the car, he's, he's he's very particular with as well. So I think that that helps massively. Um, it means he, he's keeping that cool head. He's making good decisions in the car. He's uh, he's putting the effort in. It's it's one of those things that you know. Here's one for the for the viewers at home to check out. Look at the drivers getting out of the car after the race. A really good one example of it is Townsville this year when um, when Jamie and Shane came came one two at the first weekend, and they they they, they drove away from the field. They almost lapped the whole field and and. Uh, and you could see other drivers and even some other drivers made comment, oh, geez, those boys are doing it easy. Their cars are, are so good. But if you look at up and down pit lane, when the drivers got out, which drivers were the, were the, were the most wrecked, were the tightest? Had, 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 yeah. And it was Jamie and Shane, and it's not because they're lacking fitness. Quite the opposite. They're super fit. And they every single lap, was full focus and full attention, and they weren't all quality laps. That's yeah, that's risk for reward is not needed. But they were at such a high level of of concentration and performance. That's why they drove away from the field. And the other drivers who actually got out looking fresh were 
we're not putting in the effort. So effort in equals results out. And um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not singling anyone out apart from our guys, but I, I think it's a real interesting thing to, to look when the drivers get out and the ones who are fresh as a daisy and going as fast. Yeah, are they related? I think so. So, I mean, the fact that Jamie uh, has always has always given 100% in and out of the car, that's, that's what makes him a champion. That's what champions do is you don't give up. And you know, it do- doesn't matter. You don't, not giving up doesn't mean you're throwing haymakers to try and do um, yeah, a pass at the end of the race for first. That's not on. That's, that's, that's different. That's not not giving up. Not giving up is putting in full concentration, maximum effort the whole way through, even when you're hurting, even when you're tired, um, and then improving next time so you're less tired, less fatigued, so you can do an even uh, better job. So for me, that's that's a thing that uh, has, has set Jamie apart. And, and Shane, these days, uh, you can see he, he, he does that uh, amazingly well also. Roland Dane. When you had a driver like Craig, who's, to be honest, just ready to roll with whatever turns up on the day, if you tell him the car's left-hand drive, he'll just say, no problem, get in and drive it. Craig Lowndes. Any time there is a small change, whether it's a, even a button on the steering wheel, he'll have to sit there and analyse it for half a day to, to make sure he memorises where it's at and what's going on. And for me, it's just been, yeah, I'll just adapt to it. Like, I've always adapted to things throughout my career. So, yeah, the, Jamie and I definitely work as uh, complete differences in that regard. And as I said, he's, he reminds me a lot of the Mark Scaife of, of what, you know, when, I, when we were teammates. So he made us as a as a business and as a team focus much more on uh, what was good for the driver. And, uh, of course, because he produced results to back that up, when we did um, uh, the right thing in his eyes and, and change our focus, then because he delivered the results, then, yeah, we all bought into it. If he hadn't, then we wouldn't have done. But, yeah, my sort of my instincts, as it were, probably a little bit more along the lines of the old days of, um, you yeah, know, drivers were light bulbs and you plug them in and plug them, take them out. Uh, and that's developed a lot over the, the last 15, 15 plus years to providing the drivers with the best possible environment uh, in which to, to apply their trade. Uh, so Jamie's been a massive, uh, massive part of that. He's OCD. Um, there's no doubt about the you know he's he's routine driven, but he's also OCD. So as I said, like he has to wear in his boots, his race boots at the start of the year because that's just for him. It works. Um, he's the only driver in pit lane that puts basically those bootettes, I suppose you can call them, on on every time he gets in or out of the car um, because again for him that's just a routine and, and something that works for him. Uh, so yeah, for me, I think that that OCD works as you know very well for him because you know he's very, as I said very methodical. Uh, he's very um, driven by data and and um, and knowing what what you know what he's got is the best he can be. Coming up next, we look at Jamie's next step: Triple Eight Team Principle. We haven't had the, uh, a real. We haven't had time, and it's 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 for next year but a, a good sit-down to really plan out um, 
you know, the the roles and, and, and responsibilities of everyone. What what uh, specific role Jamie w- will be doing um, in the garage. For those nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day, there's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub, there's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the Pickup app today. That's PKUP, and wake up worry-free. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. On this edition of Inside Supercars, we look at the future for Jamie Winkup as he heads to Bathurst this weekend for his final start as a full-time driver in the Supercars series. Well, at the moment, we, I think where everyone's all sitting and tight, they're sitting and waiting Jamie to make a decision whether he's going to, uh, I, I suppose, one sense go cold turkey and just get a step away from driving side of it and manage the team. Saw it as a challenge. He didn't want to be known as a one-trick pony, you know, he, which is a pretty good trick when you're the best supercars driver in history. Yeah, the planets aligned in terms of what I was thinking of when I needed to be able to to step back. Um, the timing was appropriate. We hear from Graham Wincup, Roland Dane, Craig Lowndes, Garth Tander and Scott Gullen. Graham Wincup is the proud uncle and partly responsible for setting Jamie on his path to greatness. He said that the success his nephew has achieved has been celebrated by more than his family. Everybody that's, you know, not, not just family, but close family, friends, you know, he, he's done an incredible thing um, to, to, to achieve what he has. And, and, and he's still, like, he's still, like, he's running second in the championship now in his retirement year. Um, he still puts the thing on pole. You know, he still throws in some incredible laps and he's still doing very, very well. Like, he's stepping out at the top of his game and I'm I'm sure if Jamie threw his hat out there, there'd be several teams would love him to come and drive their cars in the next couple of years. Scott Gullen has just assisted Jamie in his autobiography, Drive of a Lifetime, and he spoke about how Jamie has approached his next chapter. Yeah, absolutely. He was, he was not obsessed, but he, he saw it as a challenge. He didn't want to be known as a one-trick pony, you know, he, which is a pretty good trick when you're the best supercars driver in history. But he was very he, about the future. He wanted to jump into things, and he always talked about his dad. You know, the one way to get his dad to do something is to tell tell Dave that he couldn't, you know, build that fence over there. So then he'd go and do it. And I think Jamie's a bit the same. At Triple Eight, Jamie has shared the garage with the most popular driver of all time, Craig Lowndes. And now, with one of the most popular Kiwi drivers, Shane Van Gisbergen. Graham Wincup said that Jamie understood the importance of having a strong teammate. When you've got a, a tough teammate, it raises the level. Um, like, you're always out to beat your teammate. He's the first guy you've got to beat. And, and you know, they are, they are great teammates. You know, the, the team is everything to them. And if Jamie can't win, then Shane... 
wants to win, uh, and and vice versa. You know, they they're there to have the the triple eight cars one two as much as possible. Um, and, and it does. You know, they push each other hard, and and uh, there's no secrets. You know, I've I've seen that. There's no secrets with anybody. I'm doing this. Try this. You know, uh, and that that's how it it really should be. Jamie's first teammate, Craig Lowndes, admires many aspects of their relationship, but there has always been that one thing that has stuck in his craw. But there are some things that you know Jamie does that that, that used to frustrate me, and and, and I, I have a laugh about it because it still happens today with Shane, which is basically that you know if you've got to be in an appearance at a 10 o'clock at 9.59 and 59 seconds, Jamie will then decide to go and go to the function. But it takes, you know, it doesn't take into account that it's going to take five minutes to get there. So um, I hate being late to anything. And Jamie was always that person. Well, if I can spend an extra extra minute looking at data or doing something like that, I'd rather do that than be at a function. So that was probably the frustrating side of Jamie. But as I said, it, it, it still happens today. And I, I still have a giggle because now it's happening to Shane. David Couchy, Jamie's engineer from 2014 to 2020, said it was the relationships at Triple Eight that made the team so successful. Oh, look, without question, you know, you know, Jamie and 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 of course Craig Craig Lowndes, you know, they, they they were a massive part of that and and those guys those guys working together, I think their relationship um, and the respect that that both of those guys had for each other on and off the track. Um, and of course also the way that that, that Roland, you know, ro- operates the team. Like that's um, a, a very big part of, of why of why Triple Eight uh, has been so successful um, in its very, very, you know, almost short history. I mean, it's quite a long history now, but um, you know, they 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 became successful quite quickly, and, and that definitely flows from the top. Um, and having those two drivers with their with their personalities again, Jamie, so easy to get along with. Don't have to even mention it about Craig Lowndes and his kind of bubbly, happy personality. So, um, you know, it was just a really awesome environment to be in, and everybody just was able to grow and and perform at their absolute best, and and that's why that's that was the sort of foundation of of what Triple Eight is today. Garth Tander has now joined the team as co-driver with Wincup's teammate Shane Van Gisbergen. He is now finding out firsthand why Triple Eight has been so successful. Roland Dane always said to me, "One day I'll get you in one of my cars," and um, you know, as it turned out, we did it. For the, we we finally got it done for the endurance races. So um, yeah, look, it's um, it's it was it has been a lot of banter and a lot of fun amongst the the, the four four drivers at Triple Eight. Um, given the battles that we've had over the journey, raced against Jamie, particularly you know the year that I'd won the championship in 2007, it came down to two points between Jamie and myself. The following couple of years, you know, we were I was you know inside the three when Jamie won the championship, so battling for the championship for a long period of time. And then obviously Shane, you know, Shane came on the scene 2007, and you know raced against him that whole time. And Scott Gullen. He fell in love with the engineering side of of motorsport, so he he's learned a lot from that. And I think in business, he took his time to figure out what he wanted to do. But the wash, the car wash business, he that's got a big engineering factor to it. He wants it to be the most modern and different and best in Australia. So again, he's applied that. And I think motorsport, you know, that's all he's known. It's in his blood and. 
he genuinely cares about the sport. I mean, he's not just about, obviously he wants to win because that's inbred in him, but he has a genuine care for the state of the sport. So being on the commission and now being an owner and uh, you know, a manager, I'm not surprised he went down that track and either is anyone around him really. And I think he'll devote a lot of time between that and his business because he wants to be successful at something other than driving. Kevin Fitzsimmons is the operations manager at Dunlop. Yeah, we um, we had a pretty good relationship with Jamie, and still do, you know, right, right the way through. And uh, he's done a, a lot of the the tyre development in in recent years with uh, the introduction of the the soft tyre back, uh, you know, sort of you know ten years or more ago now, sort of thing. And more recently, the super soft tyre. Um, part of it being you know, the homologation team with with AAA being the, the the GM homologation team, sort of thing. But he. Um, his feedback was exceptional. Roland Dane spoke about when he first thought Jamie might be the right person to succeed him in leading Triple Eight. About um, four years ago, I think, when he was talking about the fact that he wanted to uh, get, um, get he wanted to get involved in um, the sport uh, for the long term and. Uh, he regarded Triple Eight as his home, and so it started to become apparent. And then we talked about it some more, uh, and the yeah, the planets aligned in terms of what I was thinking of when I needed to be able to to step back. Uh, so the timing, um, the timing was appropriate. Tony Quinn has also bought in and he is very confident that Jamie will be the right man to lead the team. But if we look at um, Jamie as a team principal, she's, I, I don't think you'll meet anybody that's more determined than Jamie. Uh, you know, he works very, very hard. He's super intelligent, and um, he's tough enough. And, you know, it's the old story. Anybody that follows on from Roland is going to have a tough day anyway. Uh, and I think if anybody can do it, I think Jamie can. Nobody else knows the business like he does. Tim Miles has just sold out his share to allow Jamie to become an owner of Triple Eight. Yeah, that's, that's true. And and he has the, the appropriate level of um, apprehension and fear as well. Um, the big shoes to fill, and if you, if you sit close to Roland at any time, um, the level of energy he's got to executing whatever it is that he's working on is 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 frightening, and 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 Jamie will match that in spades. Um, and then what comes with with being, you know, 102 as Roland is, is that that energy is well directed because he's been doing it for so many years, and and, and that's where um, I think Jamie is is benefiting from the way he's designed the handover. I mean, even that's Jamie's design. Okay, well, I'll have. Um, uh, I'll announce now that I'm retiring. I'll announce now I'm going to become the managing director. Um, I'll, I'll buy a chunk of Roland shares um, and put my uh, my money where my mouth is, and then I'll spend the next 12 months making sure that the stuff that I, I take for granted, I now learn. Yeah, as a driver, I took for granted. I'll now learn. So, you know, he's got himself. A, a, you know, as soon as he made that decision, moved to Brisbane instead of the Gold Coast, got himself into the office. All of those things that that you need to do to allow that osmosis learning um, that Jamie's doing. Miles said there is one thing that everyone will see firsthand with him in the team principal role. How hard he works. 
you, you yeah. won't find anyone. You won't yeah. find anyone who, who works at her. Garth Tander here. If he has, if he has the ability to um, apply himself in the business world as well as he did in the motorsport world, then you can only expect continued success for Triple Eight, couldn't you? Because um, you know, he's. I think he's um, he's developed himself in the business world quite well already. You know, he's had a couple of businesses running with his car washes and, and cafes and things like that. And I guess that was always just to learn the ropes of the of the business world and, and understand what's required. On, you know, clearly on a much smaller scale than what Triple Eight is, but um, you know, build the basics if you like. And this year, being involved in the Supercars Commission. Was an always uh, was also another step towards um, getting a better understanding of the sport and the the politics and the business aspect of the sport, so that he has a clearer understanding of how all that works when he moves into this team principal role. So you know, realistically, you have to look that the groundwork has been going on for a, for a few years now. Uh, you know, it's a very very successful organisation that Roland and, um, has built up. And uh, and he wouldn't, and it's his little baby. I've learned that since being involved in the race team that Triple H's Roland's little baby, and he wouldn't be turning that over to just anyone. I wouldn't imagine. So, yes, um, Roland will still be there in the background, but um, it's very much going to be Jamie steering the ship going forward. So, um, you know, the skills that he's acquired over the last couple of years in business, and um, you know, like I said, the the application and the the professionalism that we've seen from his driving career, if that can be translated into the business world, then, um, you know, I don't see anything changing as far as Triple Eight being successful going forward. Kevin Fitzsimmons from Dunlop is also confident of Win Cup's next step. You know, not only the the, the, the seven championships and um, Bathurst wins and everything else that, he, that he's done, but, um, you know, people people don't take enough notice of the things he's done in the background and everything, you know, being on the commission and, and um, the, the, as I said, he's very good at wearing the category hat and and helping the sport uh, grow. You know, he's, he's he's been very very good. He's a great ambassador, and um, you know he'll he'll still be around. He won't he won't be. You know, he's on track. Uh, activities will be missed and everything, but certainly um, he's uh, he's been a, a credit to the sport, a credit to himself and his family. You know, he's uh, he's been very very good from from that point of view for. Um, the betterment of the sport that we all love, you know, he's, uh, he's been fantastic. Tim Miles has just successfully brokered the sale of supercars for Archer Capital and the teams and explains what Jamie is like in the boardroom. It's interesting. It's, it's still hard when you look at uh, across the boardroom table at Jamie to not see Jamie the racing car driver because, um, you know, I've known him since 2004, as you said, and um, he has a, a, an uncanny uh, talent behind the wheel and, and um, you know, uh, from from the absolute top draw there. And so when you, when you look and know... Um, that part of his demeanour to, to then look at him in a business setting, it, it um, I guess it takes a little bit of adjusting too. Uh, but the one observation I have of Jamie as a racing car driver holds across to Jamie as a businessman, and that is that nothing happens by chance. So he works incredibly hard. He thinks researchers um, is bold and is also bold enough to ask the question. And one of the things I see in business all the time is is – um, people who believe they know it all and and a, a lot of what they know, they know because they made mistakes um, and a lot of uh, uh, 
the positions they take, you know, they, they could probably position themselves a little bit better just by asking a few questions. And the one thing that, that Jamie's not afraid to do is, is ask a question about something that he that he doesn't know. Um, and as I said, nothing happens by accident with Jamie. He, he really thinks everything through um, just like he does with car racing um, it, as a driver. Uh, as a businessman, he, he, he plans, uh, thinks everything through, has a lot of uh, logic and rationale around the, the arguments that he presents and, and the positions that he takes, um, but is, is open-minded enough to allow you to change, change his position if, if, um, if it's not right. So he's, um, he's a very, very uh, fun guy to sit in a boardroom with because he, he spends a, a lot of time thinking and considering and, and also d- doesn't talk on conversations that he doesn't know a lot about. Um, but you might get a phone call from, from him after that after that conversation is finished saying, so does this mean this or does that mean that? Um, you know, so the, so the mind's always working. Does Uncle Graham think that Jamie will be any different as a team principal? I don't think he'll change much at the racetrack. Like, he's there, Laird, to do a job. Uh, he, he said, I'll probably get a bit more time to talk to you, Gray. You know, he said, usually he got out of the car that he was straight into debrief and then they, they maul over things. And, you know, although we go to a lot of race meetings, it, it's amazing the small amount of time we get to spend with him. Like, I, I think, you know, we might have had dinner once or twice over the last 10 or 15 years because he... he doesn't do that, you know, either in, in debrief or, or in, in with the engineers. So hopefully that he's got a little bit more time um, to uh, to have a chat and spend a bit of time together. But, uh, you know, I don't think Jamie's um, dedication will change very much. It, it'll just change into a different format um, than, than racing the car with the helmet on to use it as you said, put a peak cap on and, and watch what else everybody else is doing. Tim Miles highlights one area he has been observing Jamie developing off the track. Yeah, and I think he does that much quicker in a race car than he does in a business, but I think that's because he's been doing the first one for longer than the second. I'm probably the, the reverse. He um, he does make his decision and then stick to it. So he doesn't, he'll, he'll never regret having made, made a decision if it's if it's a wrong one because, you know, he will have put the work into making the decision. I think what you do see with Jamie is he, he's um, brave enough to make decisions. But in the business setting at the moment, he's keen to learn. Um, he's learning from a guru and, and, and Roland Dane. And, and so um, I think it sometimes drives Roland um, uh uh, mad the amount of to- the amount of questions that Jamie will ask, but but Jamie's asking them because he's learning. He's not asking them to challenge Roland on this decision or that. He's why have you done this? How have you done that? Um, and so I think he'll get to the position next year where he'll be able to make those decisions uh, a lot quicker than he does today, and that'll be because he spent a good period uh, this year learning. And I think the the um, for example, his second car wash that he's just op- opened up in Queensland there, and, and, and he did that in a far shorter time period than the first car wash, and that's because he had gone through a bunch of processes before, so he knew what to expect, how to expect it, and, and, and he made those decisions a lot quicker. And I'm seeing that I'm seeing that in, in, in team land at AAA. He's able to make decisions infinitely quicker um, once he's already had the experience. So I think he's... I think he's um, more cautious now than we'll see in, in, in 24 months. 
Mark Dutton thinks that Jamie's knowledge and experience will be good for the team when he is tapping Dutto on the shoulder during a race to suggest a strategy. Yeah, and he'll be excellent at that. Like he's he is very good at. Uh, yeah, he'll be seeing it through a driver's eyes. Um, you know what's happening on the track and different things, which is which is which is very valuable. Um, so no, he, his his input if 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 he. If he purely replaced or, or did that, that would be a, 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 a great role and a great input and a, and a great uh, asset to the team, um, let alone if he's doing more and more than that. So, um, no, I think, he'll, I think he'll do a good job. Craig Lowndes says one of the big things that Jamie needs to decide is if he is going to co-drive for the team in 2022. A- another famous saying, we have the easiest thing to change in a race car as the driver. You know, just hop one out, yep. put another one in. So I don't think anything will change. I think in the, in the privacy of the of the team, they will have some sort of a celebration or, or whatever. But you know, nothing's going to change very much. You know, Jamie's hammer will only come out of the cupboard a couple of times a year instead of every weekend. So you know, Jamie will still be at the team. He's still going to be at the racetrack all the time. So um, just because there's another driver in the seat, I don't think the team. Will, will change just because Jamie's not there. Um, you know, he will be there and, and, and the team will, will continue to go forward. So, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be a uh, a few drinks and, and, a, and a bit of a celebration at the end of the day, but uh, I think that will be well away from the racetrack. Mark Dutton says the roles for 2022 have not yet been established. Well, at the moment, we, I think where everyone's all sitting and tight, they're sitting and waiting and um, waiting for Jamie to make a decision whether he's going to, uh, I, I suppose, one sense go cold turkey and just get a step away from driving side of it and manage the team and, and manage the, the 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 workshop, or whether he does come back. You know, personally, I I can't see Jamie going cold turkey. I think there's no doubt. You know, again, being through it, that he'll have that bug, especially uh, when cars roll out for the first time next year. And I remember Mark Scaife saying the same to me, you'll know if you've made the right choice when you first stand on the pit lane and you're watching the cars all filing out of pit lane when you're not in one. Uh, and the emotions of that, if whether it, it, internally it, you feel strong enough that you should be in one or whether you're, you're comfortable with the decision you've made. But I think for me, that's, you know, I was comfortable in the, in the decision. But the same token, as you as the year rolls on, you you do a couple of test days and you get back in the driver's seat. You sort of become more eager to to, to continue as as a race driver. So I think Jamie will probably contest next year as a, as a co-driver. That's my my thinking and, and my take of it. Um, where that puts me, I'm not sure, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Couchy jokes that he is moving to Grove Racing because of the change. We we haven't had the, uh, a real we haven't had time and it's 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 for next year but a, a good sit down to really plan out um, yeah the the roles and, and and responsibilities of everyone what what uh, specific role Jamie w- will be doing um, in the garage so it'll be interesting I think he'll do a good job no matter which uh, which way we we skin the cat of of who's doing exactly what. Um, yeah, you, I've I've said to him half jokingly, mate. You you sure you don't just want to do my job? Am I am I staying at home now, mate? Are, are you uh, are, are you gonna are you gonna be between the two race engineers? Uh, yeah, yeah, doing that. So um, 
and pack controller or whatever. So I, I've I've posed the questions to Jamie. You know, um, I, I I imagine he'd want to get in and 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 do all those things. But yeah, don't know. We'll have to see. Um, yeah, have to see if I still have a job. Graham Wincup doesn't think 2022 will see a big change at the team, but looks forward to celebrating Jamie's driving career after the Bathurst 1000. Yeah, I want I wanted to get away before um before he became my boss. Yeah, I didn't want him to have to shout at me basically. The immediate challenge is this weekend. Lowndes, who will share the car with Wincup at Bathurst, hopes to send him out on a high similar to how Lowndes finished his final Bathurst as a full-time driver. Well, I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, again, I, I, I went through that phase in, in 2018 and, and it was it was a great result for Steve Richards and I. So hopefully I can send him off in a, in a same sort of positive way. It, it's understanding where he's at in the sense of his head, emotions. Um, hopefully I can take some of that pressure off him, off him and he can jo- enjoy the last Bathurst 1000 as a full-time driver and, and as a lead driver. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be uh, you know talking to him throughout the, the weekend, and again, he's a very private person in a lot of ways. So, uh, you know, again, I'll, I'll try and carry some of the load of the, the PR side of it, and just let him enjoy what will be his last full-time Bathurst race. Um, you know, he, he'll he'll be very focused on the qualifying, all the elements and 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 the areas that he will be taking taking on. Um, so, all I've got to worry about is a race car. Getting hopefully, if I start the race, a good start, keep it out of trouble, and hand it over to him. So yeah, there's, um, it's going to be quite emotional for him. Uh, there's no doubt. Uh, he's very good, as I said, very good at uh, hiding a lot of his emotions. So uh, you know, we'll see what happens when we when we finally get there. If Jamie is co-driving at Triple Eight next year, is it bad luck for Garth Tander? <laughs> yeah, well, that could be the case. But uh, yeah, again, like it's. It's something that, that, you know, for me, I could never go cold turkey, uh, and I haven't. And, and although that we're doing commentary side of it now as well, and, and that's in, in the mix, it, it, it is busy, and it's going to be busy for Jamie to get his head around running the team, you know, the politics, all, all the, you know, the, the business decisions that he's going to have to take on. I know he's got Rowan and, and Tony Quinn on his side, so he's got some very powerful people beside him and around him that, that can help make those decisions. So that I think that's going to be... A, a big plus for Jamie. Uh, but again, the same token, he's now next going to be on the chopping board if, if things go wrong. As Jamie's full-time racing career comes to a close, what advice would Graham Winkup like to have given his nephew when he was starting out? David and I probably lived our dreams to, to the um, <clears throat> with Jamie. Uh, you know, we've always wanted him to be successful in whatever he, he desired to do. Um, we encouraged him and whatever he did, and I, I don't, a lot, a lot of people ask me, you know, I want my son to do what you can do, and, and I don't think it's, it would be very difficult to do because of, of the, the family unit that we had with Dave and myself, and, you know, we're, we're brothers, but we're apart, and Jamie was was the, the nucleus of what we were doing and, and we there was always plenty of enthusiasm and if, if one got a bit down the other one would take over and you know it just worked like that so I, I don't you know think that we'd change anything like I suppose every race car driver has aspirations of becoming a Formula One driver but 
you know, we we, we certainly weren't rich enough to, to go down that path. And, and I think with what we had available to us, he's done a great job. And and I don't think there's anything I'd, I'd really want to change at all. I'm pretty happy. How different is Jamie Winkup now to the young man that sat down in his office hoping to drive at Triple Eight? Roland Dane here. Oh, it's... Um... He's the same person, but very, very, very much uh, more experienced and grown up, and uh, as should be. And he walked in here as, if I remember, a 22-year-old or something. Um, so uh, he's he's very different uh, in terms of experience now, and um, and that shows. Yeah, he's um, he's developed as a person, particularly in the last. Yeah, four years or so. He's uh, since he's had his own business as well with this car wash business, uh, and um, yeah, settled in his personal life, and recognizing the fact that yeah, he wasn't going to drive forever. So, okay, what am I going to do? What are my uh, plans? Uh, planning that properly and understanding what he wanted to do uh, has focused him on on uh, on the job in hand uh, and he's uh, yeah he's really put his um, put his heart and soul I think into into working out what his future looks like if you would like to learn more about Jamie Winkup his autobiography drive of a lifetime is now available in all good bookstores Next week, we will return to wrap up the 2021 Bathurst 1000. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more. Or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.